You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Fair Game podcast. I'm Robert Smith, your host. To our listeners, I want you all to know you mean the world to me. So I want to thank all nine of you for listening. Uh, it really has made made the show something special to have nine listeners, but I'm glad you're there. With that, let's get to it. Today's guest is a creator of an award-winning organization that took home the 2018 Barham Award at the Western Fairs Association. He's the founder of Out at the Fair, which started at the San Diego County Fair and has now expanded to nine locations across the country. He joins us today from Escondido, California. William Zakrajic, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to have you on board. Did I get the name right? Yes. Good. Before in the pre-show, I practiced it like 12 times. It's crazy. Cause, <laughs> and you were saying you get uh, the telemarketers call and they're just, the, no, all they the names are all over it. the place and you're like, nah. Yeah. I'm like, no, he's, he's no longer here. Yeah. Well, how many, how many different pronunciations do you get on this name? A lot, probably like five, six. It's sometimes I just don't even feel like people try. They just throw in letters. <laughs> Which is that random alphabet? They're like, I'm uh, like, yeah, you know, I'm like, doesn't it have enough? Smith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, doesn't uh, it have enough letters? Like, how many more do you need to add? Well, you know, my wife's maiden name is Galino, G U L I N O. She's Italian. And even with just those six letters, the number of different pronunciations. <laughs> Galene, Jeline, Jelano, and she's finally when she when she and I got married, she was like, "Oh my God, I'm so ready to change my name to Smith." <laughs> like, just wait because people still screw that up too, which is kind of surprising. It, it's Smith. Like, yeah, how like... do you mess it up? <laughs> but hey, I don't want to challenge people because most people will rise to that occasion if I challenge them on that. Listen, William, let's get right to it here. Uh, I was reading another interview you did where you said back in 2011, you were at the fair there in Del Mar, and there seemed to be a lack of presence for the LGBTQ community at the San Diego County Fair. That observation ultimately led to the creation of your Out, of the fair, out at the Fair event. Tell us a little more about it. Yeah, um, our, my first time at the San Diego County Fair, I was just walking around and it was kind of surprising to realize in San Diego, a town that prides itself, no pun intended, on equality, that there was no like posters for any of the prides going on, anything for community resources listed in our county or any LGBT talent that I could notice on any of the programming. And I'm like, hmm. we're missing something huge here. You know, we don't want to be a pride at a fair, but we want to be represented at a fair because, you know, we're a part of the community. We're your neighbor. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so it was just kind of surprising. Yeah, so you you went there, um, you made some observations, as I understand, maybe you put in the year or so after you kind of just had a, a, a Facebook meetup, it wasn't anything really official. Yeah. And no. then as I if I understand reading it correctly, the folks at, at Delmar actually reached out to you um, about potentially turning that into something more official. Correct. Can you tell us a little bit of how that went? Yeah, the following year, I got a message on Facebook from some random person saying, hey, are you guys going to do that unofficial gay days thing? Because we would like to go to the fair. And I was like, I mean, I didn't really think anything more of it from the year before. So we thought, hey, let's make a Facebook event this time. Call it an unofficial gay days. Pick a day to go to the fair and see what happens. Within a month, the fair found out about it. And that's when I got a message saying, hey, this is Luis from Marketing in San Diego County Fair. We would love to welcome your group at the front gate. And it was kind of surprising and really rewarding as well because they saw the need to celebrate everyone in the community in San Diego County. And that's kind of how our door opened into the fair world. That's cool. What does that mean to you when the fair itself sees your idea and steps up and says they want to be a part of it? It shows me that we're on to something right, and it is important. It is important to spread equality. It's not just, you know, an LGBTQ plus issue. It's an everyone issue. So it is. it was really cool. I was honestly really surprised, and I still have the pin. It's on my bulletin board from that year. That's cool. Um, so I'm curious, what can participants expect uh, from your event when they show up at the fair? 
we have a wide variety of activities going on. Everything from family-friendly entertainment to LGBTQ nonprofit booths. We bring out the Out at the Fair booth where people can take photos with Dabby. We bring in community resources. We do um, kind of cater each fair, not make them all the same. So certain fairs will have different activities. Activities that we have done are drag bingos, LGBT stand-up comedy, the glam show, Slate It, which is our cooking competition, Diva Drop, a video game tournament, drag story time, and family fun hour where we pull all the kids in front of the stage and we just play family games and they win prizes for a full hour. It's a lot of fun. So this is much more, Out of the Fair is much more than just, hey, this is the, you know, the official day or couple of days to if you're in that community to come out to the fair you have an entire slate of events going on for people in addition to what they can also experience with the fair. Yeah, basically we'll go into a fair, like we'll use San Diego County as an example. They have the paddock area. We take over their stage. We program entertainment from the time the fair opens to the time it ends. We put in all of our nonprofit boots. So we really are throwing a mini festival inside of a fair. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, I, I knew y'all were growing in California, having done and uh, performed myself at LA and at OC Fair and, and Fresno and a number of the fairs out in California. I understood you guys were growing, but until I started, when you reached out to be on the show and, and we started talking about that and I started looking at and doing some research on the organization, I didn't realize just how much you guys had expanded. Um, not only in California, but you're going outside those the state now. I'm curious, how do you go about figuring out, you've got nine locations now, how do you pick your next event? How do you say, okay, we've done these in California, let's try this new fair? How do you pick uh, it? Honestly, we've been pretty lucky. It's grown organically. It's just from people we met at WFA, fair referrals, you know, the times we've, the times we've gone to WFA and we've handed out, out at the fair shirts, there's been fair CEOs that have taken a shirt and then we get an email a few days later. So all of our growth has been very organic. That's cool. Yeah. It's been kind of cool to see fairs reach out to us and be like, Hey, we see the need for you in our community and we want you there. That's awesome. And I see that you are outside of California now um, with a showing at the New Mexico state fair. That's my hometown fair. You know, I'm recording here in Albuquerque. We had Dan morning on the show. Who's the, uh, the fair manager down there. He's just a terrific guy. And, you know, I, I always sing his praises and how he and Rick Reidhofer navigated that whole situation to essentially save the New Mexico state fair years ago. What made you select New Mexico as one of your sites? Um, I got to say, Dan and everyone at the New Mexico State Fair are amazing. They've welcomed us with open arms since the very beginning. Honestly, that fair kind of picked us. After we branched out to the California State Fair, within a month, we got an email from New Mexico saying, hey, we would like you guys to come out. Let's start small. We'll do like a group photo. Just see if we can get any interest at the fair. We did. And it was awesome. We had probably a few dozen people turn out for our first group photos, no hiccups. And we've been going strong ever since. It was kind of our first test to see, you know, how we would do outside of California. Sure. Because obviously you've got your thumb on the pulse of of your community there in California. You you kind of, you got the vibe for what what people will go do and when they're going to show up and, you know, how much they'll pay to go to an event. But you go outside that different jurisdiction that whole molly changes on on how you you know what you're charging for an event and what you can expect from people because different communities are just going to respond differently to it i'm glad that you you got a good response here in new mexico overall you mentioned you had a few dozen there the first time in new mexico overall what do you typically look at for attendance at your events um when we start it could be honestly our first one our group photo was 10 of us in san diego um now we during our glam show there's almost 3,000 people sitting around the stage watching it yeah awesome and in orange county our first year there we did um a like a mini festival inside one of their tents and we had the largest turnout ever we had over 500 people for our first group photo so it really varies between 10 and a few thousand that's a big variance but i mean if you consider the 10 was when you started and that, you know, I, that's probably not a surprise. I mean, you start with something small. That's how all of these great 
things start. It, it doesn't start with 10,000 or 20,000 people. It starts with five or eight or 15 people. And then you get that opportunity where like Delmar reaches out, Luis reaches out and says, Hey, um, let's make something official out of this. And then you go from Delmar. Um, what are the nine fairs that you're, you work with? Right now we're at the San Diego County Fair, the California State Fair, the Alameda County Fair, the Marin County Fair, the Sonoma County Fair, the Orange County Fair, Washington County Fair in Oregon, New Mexico State Fair, and I feel like I'm missing one. Oh, Santa Clara County Fair. Yeah, Santa Clara. There I always go. have to have them all written down because it's like they are. <laughs> Well, listen, I, I, I really wish you success with it. And I hope at some point when you, you get asked that question, you're like, I don't even know anymore because there's so many fairs that you've got like 150, 200. You're like, we started in Del Mar. I can tell you that. And that's it. You know what I mean? I think that it's fantastic. Awesome. I think, I think it's, it's a fantastic event. Um, I think it's a great way for fairs to bring that segment of, of their local communities into the fair um, and, and feeling included and, and safe to come to the fair. What are your goals for the future of out at the fair? Goal wise. I just think we should keep spreading and doing acceptance and awareness everywhere. There is 50 States and tons of counties. And I don't see why there shouldn't be an out at the fair everywhere or a version of it. Our community is everywhere and we really are celebrating and building awareness at a ground roots level. And this is how it happens. Yeah, I, I think it's, I, I really like it. Um, let's turn for a minute here to the pandemic. Uh, it certainly has rained on all of our parades and certainly rained on your parade. Let me ask you, when this thing got started early in 2020, could you ever have imagined the impact it was going to have on everybody in this country? No. Honestly, I feel like I was kind of naive last year at this time seeing yeah, you know like a few festivals cancel and you're like it's not a big deal we'll be fine and then we april came yeah no. yeah <laughs> we um we uh yeah just looking back I, I think all of us in the fair industry we were thinking when things started shutting down in the middle of march that consistently on the show it's oh you know by May, June, July at the latest, we'll be open and things will be good again. And here we are one year into 15 days to flatten the curve and we've still got events canceling. Um, yep. You know, LA can't announced their cancellation recently. We probably will get word on whether OC is go or no go here in the next probably 60 days. Have you heard anything on Del Mar for this year? All I've really been told from our fair partners is kind of hold on for 2022 i mean there's some hope and i mean new mexico is some hope for us because it yeah. is a later fair but yeah. at the same time like we're in california so if we don't get vaccinations i don't want to go to new mexico and be part of the problem right so it's it's like it's just a big waiting game at this point and to continue yeah. to support each other like we are right now yeah that's the same thing a lot of us as entertainers are hearing i think it depends on the state where the fair is um, a lot of my fairs were that canceled last year that said, oh, yeah, yeah we're just going to roll the contract over and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll reissue the contract for 2021. Um, a lot of those were, you know, like OC fair, the New Mexico State Fair, where we're going to sit and play the waiting game probably until the mm -hmm. last minute. Yep. Um, you know, you mentioned before the show, the New Mexico State Fair, they were the largest, single largest testing site in the state of New Mexico. And now they're the largest vaccination site in the state of New Mexico. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Although we are number, last I checked, we're number two in the nation for vaccine distribution behind Alaska. Well, that's awesome. So I, I don't know, May, you know, maybe, maybe come June, are we vaccinated enough in the state that we can think about opening? I don't know. I don't really it, know either. And that's if everything goes perfect. That's the big what if, like, you know, if everything goes perfect, we may see you this fall. Well, I mean, that's great, but I can't plan a business on what ifs. So for Correct. me, it's like this year's awesome. If it happens and we see people, great. But I'm just looking at 2022. Yeah, I, I, I the more people I talk to in the industry, the more it seems like it's going to be 
is not going to be 21, but for a, a lot of fairs that I talked to, 21 is going to be the life raft that gets them to 2022, where we can mm-hmm. start opening a little bit. Um, I've talked to some folks that think it's going to be 24 before we can even really genuinely open. And I think that all comes down to the size of the event. Um, you know, I think something like Del Mar that I see in your, uh, in your background photo there yeah. or the New Mexico state fair, OC fair, the state fair, of Texas, some of these really large events might need two years of metrics and data from their, their population to figure out exactly how to open the fair correctly. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to come back, you know, with an attendance of 80,000 in 2022, there's going to yeah. be some huge changes that are going to have to happen. Yeah. And I think people are just going to have to be patient and realize that like, we want to come back to work. We want to start entertaining you. The fair industry wants to be here, but we don't want to make any unnecessary risks and put us back another year. Sure. That that just hurts all of us. Sure. It just, the struggle that we've had uh, with the folks we've spoken with in the industry is that there's no consistency from state to state. Florida right now is essentially open. Now they're wearing masks and they're doing their physical distancing and um, hand sanitizing stations. Uh, the thing we've talked about a lot on the show is that th- the fair industry of all industries is probably the most prepared to deal with the pandemic. Cause we've dealt with H1N1. We've dealt with E. Coli outbreaks and other disease outbreaks. We're just scaling our response. Mm-hmm. And yet we're being told, no, you can't do anything. <laughs> it's yeah, like, you're basically wait. sitting home. Yes. We're, we're sitting at home. And um, so you, like I say, you got Florida open and they've had successful fairs that their attendance is, um, it's down. I mean, it, they're definitely not looking at normal size. It's down probably, um, I don't know, mid-February, we're probably still just barely starting to get numbers for some of those early fares, but you know, you can only be down so much before you're going to lose money on the whole deal, you know, yep. where you're not even going to break even. Um, but then and you then- go look at California that is locked down so tightly and it, I don't know, it, there just doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason for all of here. Follow the science, follow the science. I'm like, not every everybody's following different science we all gotta get on the same page it's true and it's like you do you open this year and do you put on something not necessarily up to par and then does it hurt your brand like you you have to think of all these things like i don't want to do you know a mediocre out at the fair and someone never come back because it's not out at the fair that people are used to and the fairs are asking the same questions. Do we, can we put on a 50% fair without damaging the brand where people go, oh, the San Diego County Fair, it sucks now, or the New Mexico State Fair sucks now. It's not what it used to be because we, we get stuck in this, it, you know, our minds get stuck in this very limited vision instead mm-hmm. of looking at, at whatever happens this year and going, you know what, it, you know, it wasn't, they didn't have all the entertainment or they didn't have the concerts or not as many people could go or, you know, there weren't as many rides. I don't really like the New Mexico State Fair or the whichever fair to look like that. But I also understand that they had to do something. And if this is what it takes to get to 22, 23, 24 for them to go back to normal, then their understanding of it. So I think a lot mm-hmm. of it is in the messaging. A lot of it's in how yeah. we, we communicate to our audience. How are you, you know, what methods do you use to communicate to your, your community on how you're, you're proceeding without at the fair? I mean, right now it's just on our website through social media and on our email blast. I've kind of been waiting to hear more from fairs before we make an official announcement on this year, but I've removed the date from 2021 from our website. And I just said, we'll see you when it's safe to do so. And what's the response been from your community with that approach? People are excited to come back to the fair. They want to come back to the fair, but they also understand that like doing it in a safe way is the only way that's going to make this viable for everyone. So it's kind of cool to hear that, you know, as a festival owner, this last year has been devastating, but to know that the community is still behind me, still sees us as a very important cultural event at their fair is awesome. And that's all the motivation I need to keep going this year. Yeah. We'll get there. It's, we'll get back. I don't know that all fairs will come back. Um, That's another scary thing. Certainly, um, you know, early on, I was really worried about the small fairs. And, and as, you know, the business lesson in here is it's really the smaller fairs that are probably most primed to continue moving forward. When you look at fairs like Del Mar and LA, we've all read in the news about them and what their financial situation is. They're in dire straits. 
they've got huge overhead at a facility like that. And when they can't even get their non-fair rentals open, they can't have a, a horse race or an RV show or a boat show or anything like that. Yeah. They're in deep. They're yep. in real deep. And uh, I, I just hope that at least, especially for you guys out in California, I hope your legislature comes up with something to kid to, to throw a lifeline. Fares. Yeah. They I really totally need agree. a lifeline. It's scary because I mean, everyone I've worked with almost now at the Del Mar fairgrounds is gone. I don't yeah. know who uh, it's going to be my entertainment person contact. I don't know who does yeah. this now. And it's honestly, it's kind of terrifying. Yep. And it also lets me know that the fair conventions will never be the same. Like all those people that made it, the fair industry great for us and everyone who super supported us, unfortunately, isn't there right now. Hopefully yeah. they can come back when things open up and, you know, if they haven't moved on to another job already. But that's going to be the big one, I think. Uh, you know, there's so many. This is a fair family. The, the folks we talk to when they've had to do furloughs, they are heartbroken. Because they're not, this isn't just some accountant down the hall in, in one of the offices or in a cubicle that is nameless. Mm-hmm. You know, these are friends and family that have worked with us for many, many years. And it's very difficult to have to say, guys, this we can't afford to keep you on the payroll. Um, I think the real challenge is going to be if this is a protracted shutdown and then those people decided I can't hang on anymore and they do go get a different job and they're happy and um, you know, maybe they're in an industry where they know they won't get disrupted and then we've just got to adapt. Um, and I look at that and if they go find something else and they're happy, I say good. And that gives us opportunity to try and find someone else that could do the job really well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's going to freshen up the industry. It's going to freshen up the industry at least. I mean, some people I've just retired because they were so close that, why would I, why would I wait five years to come back? You know, when yeah. I could retire now. Yeah. So, I mean, I agree. It is going to be a good thing. It's just, it's crazy to be at WFA last year in 20, what, 2020. Yep. And like, it, it's just crazy. It's just, yes. Like yes, I, was, there's no other word for it, but crazy. That was <laughs> the, I think it was a W it was either WFA or Texas. Cause I did the, I forget which one came first in 2020, but it was, one of those two was the last convention I was at. Uh, now I don't, I really want to go to a convention. Mm-hmm. I need to see my friends. I really, yeah. want, to, I really want to visit with everybody. Oh, People don't man. realize how much it really has turned into a family. Like, yes, we all work and yes, we all have our part in the industry, but we really do lean on each other. And that's what Huge. keeps making it so great. Yep. Absolutely agree. Listen, looking ahead at 2021, um, I, I think whether you approach the year with optimism or pessimism depends a lot on, on where you live. We were talking there briefly about California. I, when we were starting to set up the interview, I know you guys were still pretty well locked down, but I thought I read in the last day or so that the governor announced there might be some loosening up of things. Is that the case? or I believe like bars can be open and outdoor dining can be open again. Okay. And I think nail salons and that stuff can do outside again. So very so, minor very, openings. Basically we've had been on lockdown for almost a year and yeah, I mean the summer they lifted the curtain for a while and then it got horrible again. So right. it's like, we might as well just sit here until it's till we can be good because it's just prolonging it. And there's so many, like what people don't realize is like, I grew up in Minnesota. So when I go home and I'm like, yeah, like we're on crazy lockdown. Like we can't go anywhere. There's lines to get into a grocery store, all this stuff. And they don't understand. And I'm like, you don't understand because you live in a town with 5,000 people. And in some of these office buildings, there is 5,000 people. Yep. So you have one person cough and your whole town just got it. Yeah. It's just like, that's the stuff that people don't realize is it is a totally different world out here. I mean, we're stacked on top of each other. If my neighbor gets it, coughs over my fence, I hope I'm not outside. (laughs) I don't know if I go that far. Uh, I think if, uh, if I'm outdoors and there's a, especially in New Mexico and there's a little bit of a breeze and somebody coughs and I catch it that way, I probably need to go buy a lotto ticket too. I don't think think that's the way we're we're getting it. I, I think through the winter we saw it because my sense is you saw a spike in there because of, of holidays and people were still getting together and closed, especially when you get to the winter, 
just like in a normal year, it transmits the same way the flu does, you know? So we close up, we have forced heat in our homes, which dries out, dries us out. And then you close the windows, close the doors, you, you shut down your ventilation. And then, then one person coughs and you're all, and then everyone gets it. Then everyone gets it. Yeah. (laughs) Cause you're in tight, tight spaces. Um, my sense is, is we do roll the summer. We may see it continue to, to caseload to continue to go down. Um, I don't think that outdoor, I can tell you from the fairs, none of the fairs that have opened are seeing the transmission and and they're, they're doing, they're opening safely. They're wearing masks. They've got plenty of hand sanitizer. People know what they need to do to stay safe. Um, which is good to hear. Yeah. I I really think we do know how to mid, at least with our events. I mean, I can't, obviously I can't guarantee it that everybody's absolutely safe, but I couldn't, no fair can guarantee that nobody gets strep throat, gets flu get, I mean, things happen. Yeah. Anytime you've got a large gathering of people, there is opportunity for things to go South and we do our best to mitigate all of that through, you know, whether it's having security checkpoints or hand washing stations or, you know, temperature checks and all wearing masks, all those things, those are all, all mitigating strategies. Do you think it's possible? I mean, that we can get to a point here within the, by the end of this year that we could start having medium and large size events open with proper mitigation strategies. Yes. A hundred percent. We've already talked about how out at the fair can come back. If we need to do like time allowed at areas, like if you can only come to our stage for a three hour block, like how do we program differently? How are we going to do our event differently? How are we going to social distance next year? Like yeah. just because, you know, it might be quote unquote gone next year. Our festival is still going to look different because we can't jump back in the same way. Correct. I mean, our team went from seven people to now three to just hold us through. So it's like everything is going to be different, but it can be done. And people just have to be patient and know that we're all doing our best to keep them safe and ourselves safe. Yeah. Yep. I, um, I, I see it. I, we finally started getting some stuff last fall and here in New Mexico, things started to slowly open. Um, I've been able to get back to the gym regularly. I forget what the percentage, it might be 50% now, but literally I watched, I've been at this gym that I go to for almost, I think eight years. I think my son was two when we first started going. So yeah, eight years. And I can tell you that gym is cleaner now than it has ever, ever been. Everybody is what they wipe down. <laughs> they wipe down that equipment. I want to say once every 30 minutes, they've got people rotating through wiping down all the equipment staff members. See, that's awesome. And then every single person I watch on a, on a treadmill, on a bike, they're wiping onto the machine and wiping off the machine. I used to just do it where I'd hop on and then I would just wipe off at the end. But now when I get on, I literally will watch someone get off a treadmill and wipe it off. And then I will go to that treadmill a minute later and I will wipe it off myself and then I will wipe it off when I like. So every treadmill is getting wiped down twice before it's getting touched again. Which is kind of awesome. I I mean, I guess it starts to mess with your hands a little. Those, the wipes they give you all the chemicals on them start to dry out. But I noticed my hands are getting really white and dry from all the like washing and the chemicals you have to use to keep safe. Yep. I agree. I'll tell you what though. We, a friend of ours, um, who prints all of our, uh, our t-shirts and, and whatnot for our company, he got COVID and he's been in real bad shape knowing what he's gone through. I'll take the dry hands and the mask wearing and the wiping everything down in perpetuity. It, it's yep. just not, it, it's not worth it. Although we do, we're pretty sure, you know, the science has been pretty indicative of who this is clear, clearly affecting the most, you know, if you're elderly, if you've got heart conditions, if you've got um, diabetes or you're obese is definitely an underlying issue. It'll all those it, underlying it, issues. It we know what you. it is. Um, and that's, I hear a lot of that from the fair community is now, and it's no disrespect to anybody. If you're in one of those categories, you know, if you're 74 and, uh, and you've got heart problems, you're, you're obese, you know, we, we can still open our events. And if you need to take the year off and stay home, absolutely do that. We can still have safe events, Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in a vulnerable category and I think as we open, I think businesses need to be able to make accommodations for people. Um, I know there's, there's folks out there that, you know, they've got a job, but they're also battling cancer or they're dealing with chemo. Well, 
you definitely don't want to get this damn thing if you're dealing no. with chemo, you know? And so does your employer need to make an accommodation to say work from home? You know, here's a, here's the lap, the company laptop, whatever you need to be able to do your job from home. That seems reasonable to me. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't think it should be, you shouldn't be punished for it for definitely. For sure. For sure. And I mean, that's one of the reasons we want to be kind of, you know, for sure when we come back to a fair, because our community is high risk. I mean, transgender community, you know, we have everyone, you know, in our community that is a high risk as well. And I don't want to come back and make it look like I'm doing it for the quote unquote dollar when I want to make sure they're safe first, because of course. out at the fair is only going to be better if we're all celebrating together. Of course. And we're going to get there. We're going to get there. I was reading a piece on, um, that came across Facebook the other day. I forget which news site it was on, but a doctor had written a thing. He was, a. um, I can't remember what the epidemiologist, the guys that study the viruses and whatnot, but he said, he was saying, you know, it, it, masks are probably going to be on at some level, at least through 2023. Um, okay. And that at some point around 24 or 25, that this thing will have died out enough and it will look like more like a seasonal flu where you get 200,000, hundred thousand cases across the nation and 6,000 deaths annually. Um it's basically we, just we have to get it under control. But we have yes, point. we have to bring it under control. And then we <laughs> recently on the news, I'm reading <laughs> and I'm like, what? What are all these damn variables that are you know variants that are coming out that and we have our own now? That, what's in that? California? We have our own now. They fa- it was on the news yesterday. There's a new variant in California that's only been found here. Oh God! I'm like they're popping up everywhere. <laughs> I could make. It's not funny, but I could make some jokes about California variants, just in California and of itself. Hey, people love us. <laughs> I love, you know, what? I love the fairs out there. I love the people out there. I don't love the politics. And I think that most people I talk to, even people that are on opposite sides of the aisle for me, they're like, I love California, but I hate our politics. And I'm like, well, okay, that's fair. I, you know, it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious. Um, I like talking about fairs and, and what this just makes me happy. And that, that's my next question for you. When you do your event and you go to a fair like Del Mar or Cal Expo or the New Mexico state fair, what are the things you see that really put a smile on your face? What are the, the attractions, the events, what, what kind of experiences do you have at the fair that you go, this was a really awesome event? Um, I basically have to wear my sunglasses all day because the, I, I'm a sucker for the little things when it comes to this. It's having a little kid run up on stage when we're doing our lip sync contest. So you think you can drag and their whole family's cheering them on in the front row or the little kids with rainbow flags or the LGBTQ families just laying in the paddock grass, watching entertainment all the day, all day. Those are the things that choke me up. And it shows me that we really are doing something right. Yeah. And we are changing people's lives. And I literally have to walk around with my sunglasses all day because I'm just get teared up from just realizing that eight months of work for this one day is so worth it. So yes. worth it. It's a, it is a lot of work. And we see it that th- throughout the whole industry. We see fairs that they, <laughs> we had Cliff Munson on. He's the fair manager up at Siskiyou Golden Fair, way up north of you guys on the border of Oregon, um, just on the California side. And he talks about, he's had friends in the past that have said, well, you know, you did the fair, the fair's over. What do you do the rest of the year? Plan and the he's like, fair. well, uh, about two days after that fair ends, we start planning for the next year and we spend a year doing it. In addition to having all your, your non-fair events, your, you know, your proms and horse shows and all that kind of stuff, they plan for the next year. And I'm guessing you do the same thing. You spend eight or nine months putting this thing together, you execute on it. Mm-hmm. And then you probably get a little bit of a breather and right back right back yeah we basically in 2019 we stopped mid-september and we started again in mid-october when we started going to meetings in san diego so we got a good month off and then it was just talking about fairs again and going back to meetings and what are we going to do for next year that's what i don't think people realize is that like yeah i'm only at a fair for one day but that one day took eight months of planning and still people will never know the fires that happen because it's of our course. job to make sure everyone has a great time and yes it was the best out at the fair ever yes it was yes it was <laughs> and i'm gonna go take a nap now because I can't <laughs> okay function. 
Well, and for you guys, um, for you guys, it's not like, you know, a fair plans that one event and then they circle back to that one event again. In your case, you've got nine different events to plan now. That's like a never every single event because the fairs are at different times of the year. Every single event is at a different stage of planning. Always. Always. I'm all like, it's kind of crazy because by the time I finish San Diego, New Mexico's ready to start going. So I'm always at different levels of planning all year long. Is it worth it? Yes. It's really hard sometimes, but it's really worth it. But if I email a fair and I'm like, hey, you're ready to book this and we're not even to that far yet. I'm sorry, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes we do that as entertainers too. It's, it's always a <laughs> battle when you want to, because there's a certain point, you know, when you don't want to be the guy that's always like, do you want to book me? Do you want to book me? Do you want to mm-hmm. book me? Because it's just obnoxious. Yep. And so a lot of times uh, I'll reach out to a fair and say, Hey, um, you know, we're interested maybe in connecting with you guys in the next year or so. Can you give me an idea of when you typically do entertainment selection so that I can get my stuff to you at the right time? And they'll say, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, well, we go to convention, we gather up stuff and then we make our decisions in January. I say, okay. So if I start sending you a little bit of stuff in November so that you've got it leading up to the convention, Oh, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Then and they so keep I an send, eye out for you. Yeah. But then <laughs> Then you get the ones where you send it in November and they say, oh, we make our decisions in January. Send your stuff then. And so you go, oh. And so <laughs> oh. you send your stuff in January and they say, oh, we make our decision at the convention. <laughs> and you're like, oh. <laughs> and so you try to hit them up at the convention and they say, oh, we, we, we needed to have that stuff in November. And you're like, oh, my God. Okay, just tell me. Just tell me no. <laughs> okay you're not going to worry. That's what I always prefer. Just say no. Uh, as a performer – no is this the second best answer i can get because then it's a there's a definitive answer. yeah and you're not gonna just keep bugging them and be that annoying performer that's like hey do you want to book me hey do you want to book me yes and i have been (laughs) i sometimes i think entertainers are like uh the big bang theory with sheldon you ever see the big bang theory you ever watch the show yeah you're familiar with it so you know sheldon's thing when he goes across the walkway and knocks on the door penny penny Mm -hmm. penny I feel like we're, we do that sometimes. It's like New Mexico State Fair, New Mexico <laughs> State Fair. I just, you know, Dan and I have a really good relationship now. Every now and then, pre-pandemic, uh, you know, we'd go out a couple times a year to go have lunch or whatnot. And I just get to the point now, and he, I'm like this with several fair managers where I'm like, Dan, you know what I do. Just call me. Yeah, I'm like, if just let me it, know when you need me. Just and let I'm me there. know. I'm not even going to email you anything anymore. Just <laughs> call me. You know what I do. And uh, that actually works a lot better. It does. Because then, yeah, because then they're looking like they're just going to send you that one email. You're going to respond. It's not going to be a big deal. They don't have to be like, why is this person email me 12 times in the last week? Yeah. And you're like, and a lot of times usually around convention and they're used to this. I shoot an email that says, hey, you're looking at doing anything with with uh, the fortune machine or the play with giants this year. And some people say yes, and a lot of people say, you know, we're probably going to go a different direction this year, but we'll get back with you. Okay, great. I you make a no. lot of connections. No makes the... me happy. No makes me happy because then I don't have, I'm not quietly holding those dates in the back of my head. I can move on to something else. Yep, that's key. Because you don't, like, if you're holding on a date for someone that's going to say no, you've already lost income as I've an done entertainer. That. I, I bet in the last 10 years being in the fair industry, I bet I've lost somewhere in the neighborhood of seventy to $80,000 in revenue because- a fair said yes. I've literally had fairs say yes, confirm on an email. And then two months before their event, they go, oh, yeah, we're not able to bring you in. And I'm like, wait, what? Wow. So that we just got to the point where business-wise now, um, we don't if dates aren't confirmed until we have that contract in hand. Although we do make an exception for one or two. Obviously, the OC fair, we know when their contracts are coming and so that one, you yep. you know, those Del Mar, those kind of events, you confirm, you know, ahead of time, but it does happen. It gets a little frustrating and there's nothing to do to say, oh, well, next year. Yeah. I mean, on. I mean, what are you going to so do? Weekends. I, I had one, one performer I was talking to once at a convention that was complaining about it so much. She said, one of these years, I'm going to get a lawyer. And I'm like, you do that. Good luck. Okay. And then you tell me how many <laughs> other fairs want to book you if you're that hard to deal with. It's like, there's only so many weekends. That's what people don't realize. And especially for us, like we pack down, we take a day off and then leave again. So, I mean, we're just traveling all over the place. So yeah, they, they just don't realize is like, you know, we're always everywhere. So you just gotta, gotta, 
be persistent, but not too persistent. Right. And all you got to do is build strong relationships with, with your people. And mm-hmm. there's, there's fair managers that I've, I've really strong relationships with that. I still have not worked at their fair. And I don't send them. I don't send them in hassle. I might email them and be like, Hey, you thinking of doing anything this year? Well, probably not. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I promise you at some point, uh, you know, some of the people that I'm, I'm really close with aren't even the decision maker for entertainment. They're not the, they're an assistant manager in livestock. But I see that they're rising in the industry. And while they might have no pull right now, three years from now when they are a fair manager, then they just call me up and say, hey, I'm the fair manager at this place. Are you available? And I've had it happen. Yeah, you definitely don't know who's moving up in the fair industry fast. It's a very fluid and it's a very fluid industry. And I think with everything that's gone on with the pandemic, that movement's going to get even even more so over the next five years. Definitely. I really think so. Uh, you know, I wanted to ask you about this when you go out at the fairs, cause we've had several concessionaires on recently. There's so much good food at fairs. It doesn't mean it's good for you, but it is good going down. <laughs> you know it's what I mean? Very true. What, what's the one fair food that when you go to a fair, by God, you've got to have it. Um, I never miss a chance to get the Australian batter fries with vinegar. I love those. And when we're in New Mexico, anything with green chilies. I don't Thank care. you. Anything. Thank you. It's one of our favorite fairs to eat at. And I don't know how I get all the food in me that day, but I'm just like, oh, that has green chilies on it. Let's get that too. Oh yeah. That's, we live that way. And what's, what's funny to me is I live here. I literally have a freezer full of green chili. I have like one chest freezer, a little one out in the, the garage that's half full with green chili. I can have it anytime I want. And yet I still go out to the New Mexico state fair and I'm like, I really think I want to try a green chili cheeseburger. I really want one. Oh, that is so good. I can make one anytime. I literally make them on my own grill like twice a month, but I go to the fair and I'm like, I really got to have one. That was one thing we did this year is because I obviously we didn't get a chance to go to New Mexico in 2020. And so we ordered the 35 pounds of hatch chilies and did it all. We have hatch chili everything here. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, I'm getting my fix. This is awesome. Yep. You know, they are available out there. You can get, you can find them out in Southern California. I was kind of surprised when I did OC fair, I forget which grocery store I went to. It might've been a, I think it was a Ralph's because you guys have Ralph's out there in the, in SoCal. Um, And I looked so good. A lot of times they they'll places will call it a hatch green chili, but it's more like a poblano prep pepper, which is really Mm. not one of the big gyms or one of their, the hatch varietals. Um, But sure by God, they had, hatch green chili out there and so i grab some and i'm like you know I, I go out there's a the airbnb i was at they had a grill and uh so i go down and i'm roasting the green chili and i got all these people from southern california looking at me going what is that you're cooking it smells <laughs> so good and i'm like I yep do. and i'm not sharing <laughs> <laughs> i don't blame you no it, it whenever actually i probably need to grab some because my a buddy of mine, who's the fair manager at the East Texas State Fair, John Sykes, he's all about the green chili. And so whenever I drive through, sometimes I'll go through and I'll, I'll pop into Tyler and I'll be like, hey, I got a present for you. And I got a little bag of green chili for him. And he's <laughs> just like, you're the greatest. One year when I did that fair, um, I had driven. I It was a, like 10 days or so between the Maryland State Fair. I drive down to Tyler to go do the East Texas State Fair and I was going to fly home in between. So leave my car at the airport. I fly back to Albuquerque and then I fly back and I brought some green chili with me. And he was so happy. We're, literally during the fair, we, he's got me one of his buddies. That's one of the vendors there. He's got me in the back of this vendor's trailer. So the dude's doing, I don't know, turkey legs or cheeseburgers or whatever out the front door. And John's like, you go in the back of his trailer and you cook that green chili. <laughs> so we're cleaning it. We're cutting it up and we make a green chili cheeseburger. And the guy, even the concessionaire was like, this is so good i'm like it's because it's the real stuff it's not mm-hmm. out of a can that's it you gotta make such stuff. a difference you gotta use the fresh stuff mm-hmm. are you a rides guy when you go to fairs do you do rides i used to now i just throw up <laughs> i don't know what that's happened because you eat too damn much food will you <laughs> Don't eat all the food. Don't eat the <laughs> My biggest ride. ride at the San Diego County Fair is when they have that slide when there's like four of them that go down at the same time. Yep. That's my that's like the max of my ride now. Nice. I don't know. I used to be able to do roller coasters and all of that stuff, and now I just get sick. 
Yeah, I, you know, I don't usually do rides at the fair just because I'm working and doing, you know, my, my attractions. And by the time I've got a, an hour that I could go on to the midway, I'm like, do I really want to go stand out there or, or do I just okay. want to kill chill in my dressing room a little bit? So I don't do those rides a lot. Whenever I go to theme parks like Disney and whatnot. Yeah, I'm all, I'm a rides guy and I will go in on roller coasters flipping upside down, but I will say this. I think it's been four or five years since we've been. Mm-hmm. And it'll probably be another year, a couple years once the, I, I mean, I'm not going to go to Disney until this thing's kind of cleared out and I, I can feel like Disney's normal. You know what yeah. I mean? And uh, I, so I don't know, I'm 41 now. I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle this flipping upside down and going 60 miles an hour screaming fast on the rock and roller coaster in, in Florida the way I used to. Every time we go to Six Flags in LA, I'm just the person laying on the grass with everyone's bags while they're on the roller coasters. I'm like, this trip is so fun for me, you guys. You're all, I'm so glad I could be your your designated bag holder while you go go have Basically. Fun. That's awesome. I don't know. Some of these rides at, at fairs, I've been on a few. I, I still go on a few, like when when uh, we have our son with us. Um, and of course, he's not really tall enough to go on all the big ones yet. He's getting there. Um but even the kitty rides, some of these things feel like they're a club, like the music and the lights flashing and mm-hmm. unks, 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 all the time, you know, and I'm like, man, this is kind of cool. Even for the little kids, speaking of clubs and music, did I read that you're also a DJ? Yes. Yeah. Um, I have been a DJ for a decade. Uh, I go as DJ Will Z here. DJ had... Will Z. Yep. I got, it, it made my last that. name way easier. DJ Will Z. I have some effect on that. I love it. It. Do, it does make the uh, it does make your name a little easier when you're just like it's Z. Yeah, it's just call me Will Z. It's fine. <laughs> so, uh, what? Uh, how often you DJing? I mean, uh, pre-pandemic, uh, three or four nights a week. I would do DJing and I would do fairs full time still. But you know, that's how we started out at the fair, and that's how I got a stage at the San Diego County Fair. Is I was a DJ. I would DJ for two hours, and then before that, we would put on two music, like two bands. And then as our stage grew, that's when we were given more stage time. And then eventually, I just stopped DJing it, and I would book DJs. Yeah, because then because you need to be on the planning side. That's cool. Yeah. So you kind of cut a deal where you were you're going in DJing, and you get you build out the stage around it, and and man that's just awesome yeah i kind of i kind of used it for something and it's i don't know it's it was a lot of fun i've dj'd in a lot of places i've dj'd all over california i've done minneapolis pride i've done minnesota radio i've done spain radio um i was like one of the big hip-hop gay djs here because i dj hip-hop and top 40 music so does that work out for you um i love it I enjoy music more now, though, since I'm not a DJ, because I don't feel like it's my job. Like, yeah. I enjoy listening to the radio now. I can turn on something and be not, not, my brain will still figure out what it needs to mix into, but it's not work anymore. Yeah, see, that's, that's a struggle for me with fairs. There's, there's two things I struggle with with fairs, and it's not towards until the end of the season. So when I first go out at the beginning of the season, which is usually this time of year and this year is not happening. Um, when I first get out of the beginning of the year, I'm like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I'm like, I, I, I love the lights and the, you know, the, the, even the carnival barkers and doing what they do. There's just some magic about it mm-hmm. at night, looking out at the Ferris wheel lit up, knowing the memories that are getting made. And then it gets to be about, I don't know the end of September and I've got like four weeks left and I'm like, I don't care about that. anymore. I just do my thing and I stay in my dressing room. Cause I'm good. Just get, you get a little burnout. So I get that when you're like, it's tough to, to enjoy when you're, you're planning the event and you're DJing. It's tough to enjoy the music when you're the one putting mm-hmm. it on. And it's the same way with yeah. me traveling. I absolutely adore traveling. It's one of the reasons I love this industry because I get to travel everywhere but come the end of September, I am done making, you know, 12 hour jumps, 15 hour jumps to different places. I'm like, uh, yeah, can I just stay home? And then the winter hits and I'm good and I get refreshed. And after being, um, you know, kind of locked out now for a year, I am so 
ready to get on the road. Uh, yeah, I cannot wait to travel. Get back I got to say, again. that's one thing I miss about too. Like we were, I mean, with nine locations, we're never home in the summer. So this yeah. last summer, I'm like, oh my gosh, I am home so much. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I was thinking on the DJ thing. I was watching Twitch a few weeks ago. I don't know if anybody listening knows Twitch.tv, but it's a streaming platform. And it, initially, I thought it was just all video game people. And, you know, people, I, there's this whole subculture of people that, that broadcast their video game play and they make money, yeah, plenty of money Twitch. doing it. But I noticed there were, um, there's a soul community of, of DJs that just do live shows on Twitch that'll just do their, and literally they set up in their house or their basement or whatever room they've got and they put their light show on and, they just play for people and they're getting a few, some of them. I mean, some of the streams only have a dozen or so listeners, but some of them had a couple hundred people that were listening. I know some DJs that have made some good money off of it since like the whole lockdown thing started. That's pretty cool. I yeah. It's pretty cool. I haven't uh, done it yet, but it's, it's innovative. I mean, if they can get the attention and get the, you know, get the crowd watching and people watching from home and I mean, we're locked down. What the heck else are we doing? That's part of the reason I ventured into Twitch. I'm like, well, what else can I figure out here in the world? Well, since because of lockdown, I mean, I've had to pivot my DJ career quite a bit. It's been like the largest pivot of my life. Instead of going to bed at 6 a.m., I'm up at 6 a.m. It's (laughs) it's kind of crazy. Yeah. (laughs) So over the past, like, since fairs closed and we like, I have resources of talented people that still want to be supported. So we kind of figured out what we could do over the last like eight months on how to support our community still. So we built a streaming platform and that's what I've been working on. We built out at TV. Yep. We're available on Roku TV, Amazon fire TV and Apple TV. And it's taking my love of music. I'm getting all these queer artists and allied artists music videos. And we started streaming their music 12 hours every day. So from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m., it's music videos all day long. I mean, all night long. And then during the day, we're picking up shows from other platforms and bringing them over and starting to create some of our own shows. That's really cool, man. Yeah, we needed to figure out a way to bring our community online that could be pandemic resistant. I mean, yes. if you would have told me a year ago, we'd be creating a streaming channel. I would have told you you were crazy. Yeah. But you got to innovate, you know, you got to, that's yeah. kind of what this podcast was. I, I, um, it did a podcast did a couple of things for me. One, I was starting to get into a place where I was feeling lonely and not connected to anybody in my industry. And so it's, it's helped with that. Cause it's, you know, five or six times a week when I'm recording, it's like a little mini convention, uh, like a WFA or IFE where I get to visit with, with friends. I get to meet some new people. Um, but it also gave me an opportunity to kind of stay top of mind. So while my goal isn't, this isn't marketing driven, we're not making any money. I'm not advertising really my stuff or what I do on it. I'm telling the stories of people in the industry. It does help keep me top of mind. So hopefully when things reopen, as they're walking up and down the aisles at IFE or WFA, they go, you're the podcast guy. Hey, what are you doing here? And I say, well, actually, this is what I do. And then I can tell them and maybe get a booking out of it so our our thought is is like the feature of live stream isn't going to go away you know now people kind of want that like even whether you go to a fair or not now i'm going to have the accessibility to bring live streaming with me to every single location yeah and as as we're building it out we're figuring out how to build in 24 7 live tv so we can start commercials and like advertising it's just kind of crazy it's well and i'm lucky not Oh, I I'm like, it's kept my brain fresh over yes. this last year. Yeah, absolutely. It, it does kind of keep you on your toes and forces you to innovate. I'm lucky in that I've got a nephew who's real into this whole gaming community and graphic design communities. He okay. just turned 17. And um, you would think with somebody like me with a degree in television production, I would be on top of all of this, but technology's changed so fast. Um, for me, I, I see all these people streaming and they've got all these great graphics and stuff. And I'm like, man, that's really cool. How do I do that? Well, I, you know, he, he goes by Frostify in the design community and he's out there going, Oh, you you could, you could totally your podcast. You could totally go live with that and, and have all Mm -hmm. these overlays. And I'm like, how like Facebook live. And he goes, no, 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 do it through OBS. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And then I go digging into OBS and I'm like, Ooh, (laughs) that's kind of cool. 
Yeah, it might like, be worth it to get like to do a show because we were talking with some entertainers about what does the future of entertainment look like within our industry, and I'm like, what if we did a live broadcast of that? And I host it and facilitate, and we get three or four performers, agents, you know, some entertainment directors, different guests coming in, and we do like an hour show uh, on a on a live stream, and we use OBS to broadcast so they can go watch it on Twitch or wherever, and they see this entire. Li- I'm like, that's cool. I could be mm-hmm. all about technology that. has changed so much, yeah. like. Yeah, I, I've learned so much about video editing, Adobe Pro. I knew nothing about any of this. This has been my last year. And we bought server space in LA so we could bypass yep. home internet. Like we broadcast, like well, it's and, just And crazy. once you know how to do it, once you know that technology and the software, the, the applications like Adobe, the Adobe stuff, mm-hmm. you save so much money in having other people do it. Yeah, like just to have a social media thing pop up and go across the bottom. Mm-hmm. People like don't realize like how much work just something that little is in a, you know, oh, yeah. video production. I, all my graphics that I use for the show, you'll see when your, your graphic pops up, um, the base graphic of it and the initial design was done. My nephew knocked it out in like 45 minutes and I'm looking at Crazy. that going, wow, <laughs> I couldn't, I, it just, I don't see creatively like that with that design. And he just, boom, he had it knocked out. And then he took the same thing and he made a motion overlay so that when like a video like this, if I take, I don't know, two minutes somewhere in this video and I want to put it online, instead of it just having the black boxes around it, like we see right now on zoom, Mm -hmm. it'll have a full motion overlay. I can put captions on the bottom. It'll show what episode number it is, all this stuff. And I'm like, that's cool. Yeah, we that that's one thing we've had to do is obviously we can't record shows together right now. So a lot of yep. our stuff is done through Zoom and it's all then post-production overlays and all of that stuff. And it's crazy what you can do yep. sitting at home now. Yes. Yeah, I, I kind of want to just mess around with OBS at some point. And I, live is tough. I, live is really hard. I don't know if I'd want to do it live, but to be able to broadcast so that when we do release that video, that it's got the overlays and looks really polished and professional. I'm like, man, news organization's been doing this for a hundred years. We can do it now on my Mac, on my MacBook. Mm-hmm. I can do it right here without any, any struggle. So it's awesome. It really is. Listen, it, man, um, we're getting just about out of time. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up? No, I think that's about it. I think we've covered a lot of it and I'm just really excited. You guys had us on your, well, I'm glad podcast. you reached out. I, I really am because you, we're we're actively looking for guests. Anybody who's who's listening, it's still with us at this point in the episode. Um, if you've got a story to tell, and trust me, you've got a story to tell. No matter how big or small you are, you you experience this pandemic with the rest of us. Um, I, reach out to us. Send us an email, robertsmithpresents at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and put you on the show. But well, when you when you reached out and said, "Hey, you know, I I run out at the fair," all of a sudden it struck me. I'm like, for all the I'm looking for, it kind of gets stuck in my own uh, little tunnel vision where I'm like, I need fair managers and you know marketing directors, fellow entertainers, concessionaires, ride operators. Like these are the cat. And then you reached out and you're like, well, "We do out at the fair," and I'm like, "Yo, that's a really <laughs> big deal at a bunch of these fairs out in California." Yes, they need to be on the show. They got a story to tell. So I'm yeah, glad. I'm- I'm really glad you reached out. I'm really glad you reached out. Before we go, everyone who comes on the show, if you've listened to any of them, you know, we go through a little series of speed round questions. So I'm going to ask you six quick questions to wrap this up here. You give me your best answer. You ready? Okay. Favorite music artist? Um, I have a lot of them. Can I just say most influential in my life? Perfect. Go for it. Okay. That would be TLC. They were my first CD. Yeah. And we had plans with, to work with them at two out at the fairs in the last year and they've both been canceled. So mm-hmm. I just think it's kind of ironic that they're my favorite band and we've never been and able you can't, to link you up. You can't close the deal on it. Yes. Yeah. They're amazing. <laughs> God bless. Uh, God bless Lisa soul. She mm-hmm. was, for all the people that I hear talk about, you know, cause I mean, I do hip, I listen to hip hop and, and whatnot. Really, I hear people say, Oh, who do you think the best female rapper is? Who's the, and I'm like, you know, they want to be like Missy Elliott or this person. I'm like, Lisa Lopez paved mm-hmm. the way. If you're a female rapper in this world, you got to thank Left Eye for it because she was the one that laid that laid that groundwork. Yep, and taken away way too soon. Way too soon, absolutely. Uh, next question: iPhone or Android? iPhone forever. A- amen. On an airplane, window seat or aisle seat? Uh, window, but I'm really good at falling asleep before we take off. Like I could just pass out on a plane. Nice. Uh, a movie is made about your life. Which actor plays you? 
This one was a hard one. I think it's Max Greenfield from The Neighborhood at the show okay. The Neighbor. Yeah, because he's a little quirky and weird. Like, yep. I think I'm a little quirky and weird. You yeah. kind of see that. Yeah. <laughs> Next question Does pineapple belong on pizza? No. Get off my show. Uh. <laughs> I can do it sometimes, not all the time. Uh, <laughs> last question uh, Which fair would you most like to attend that you guys haven't had the chance to get to yet? Um, Fair-wise, I think it'd be awesome to see the Alaska State Fair or the Colorado State Fair. Like, dream-wise, to do a fair, Minnesota yeah. State Fair. Because for me, that's, that's full circle. Like, I've been able to go home, do this for the younger generations. For, for sure. me, that would be full circle. Especially since you grew up there. That would be a great one for you guys to do. Yeah. Listen, uh, William, if folks want to learn more about you and Out at the Fair, where can they do that? You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Out at the Fair or visit www.outatthefair.com. Perfect. William Zakrajek, the man who created Out at the Fair. It's been a pleasure having you on. We wish you the best for 2021. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much again for having me. It's been awesome. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.